Thanks, Shane. Thank you very much. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Good afternoon. On this Wednesday afternoon, how are you? 51551 for your text. You can send us emails to radio.t.ie and you'll leave that email address because after four o'clock we'll be joined by Ray and Alison. They're our relationship experts, Alison Keating and Ray O'Neill. And they always offer good advice. So if you are going through something and not just romantic relationships, but siblings, friendships, work relationships, whatever type of relationship you're having a problem with, you might want their advice. And if you do, ray at rte.ie um, and they'll be on after four o'clock to give you free advice. Free, free. You don't get much free these days, do you? Yeah. Um, Bridget was on to us on Ray at RTE overnight and she says, you mentioned a new casserole recipe on your show yesterday. Unfortunately, I forgot the name. It sounded interesting. I would appreciate it if you could forward it to me or say it again on the show. It had an unusual name, Bridget. Bridget, I, the last time I read out a recipe on air, I got oh, I got slaughtered because I said it too quickly. People hadn't got pens and papers and all that sort of thing. So I'll point you to the internet if that's okay. Um, it, it's called uh, Marry Me Chicken. And there are numerous different versions of this recipe on the internet. Uh, and the one that Jenny uses, that's my wife, lovely wife, is by Julio G-I-U-L-I-O Cercato C-E-R-C-A-T-O um, and, and it's a it's chicken and, and then there's a, a lovely sauce and it's very flavoursome uh, there's thyme and oregano or oregano whatever you're having yourself there's some basil or basil in it as well <laughs> sun-dried tomatoes uh, there's tomato paste uh, onion, garlic double cream it's lovely and lovely and, and it just tastes delicious uh, and we thought yesterday uh, and I was under the impression that it was called Marry Me Chicken because if somebody made it for you they were like it was like a proposal it was so good and they, the person who ate it would say marry me marry me uh, but it's not that according to John Watts J-O-N W-A-T-T-S who also has a recipe for it online uh, creamy chicken with parmesan and sun-dried tomatoes the name Marry Me Chicken comes from the way the ingredients marry each other Although some people, like your man on the radio, uh, like to believe that the person you cook it for will want to marry you after you make it for them. So marry me chicken it is, Bridget, and enjoy it. It's, it's, it's delicious and you can serve it with rice or and some greens or cubed potatoes or whatever, whatever, you know. Um, the, the, an interesting letter, short letter to the Irish Times today. We used to read them out all the time, but we, we stopped for some reason. I don't know why. But this is from Patrick Judge, Dunleary in County Dublin. I wonder what you think about this. Uh, Sir, you know your attire at a funeral service may be somewhat passe when you see some others in the congregation sporting dry robes and quaffing from the ubiquitous plastic water bottle. Yours, etc. Patrick Judge, Dunleary, County Dublin. Uh, and I, I suppose people go to show their respects. Isn't that part of the funeral thing? You show your respects. And, and, and traditionally, part of showing your respect would be dressing up. You would dress in sober colours. If you were a man, you would wear a shirt. And if you had a black tie, you would wear that. Uh, and, and a suit and all that. Now, things have changed and we've relaxed in every which way. In work, going to restaurants. And I suppose funerals have followed that lead. Um, and is it not good that the people are there in the first place? Uh, what about the people who don't go, don't show their respect, don't show their support, their solidarity for the grieving family? Um, I, I've, I, I don't mind. But, but what do you think? What like should people still dress up, or dress accordingly or appropriately uh, for funerals? And what's your experience been? Five one five five one red rt dot ie. And 
We're fascinated by science here, as, as you might have gathered if you're a regular listener. Um, 1996, Dolly the Sheep was cloned uh, up in Scotland. And they've been cloning other things since then, cats and dogs and, and I, I'm sure hamsters and, and, and all that sort of thing. But for the first time, they've cloned a monkey. And why is this important? Well, monkeys, as you will know, just if you're a casual observer of science, are, are uh, very closely related to us. So monkeys now next stepped humans. Uh, so out of 113 cloned embryos, 11 were implanted into surrogate monkeys, but only one survived. It's been named Retro, R-E-T-R-O. Uh, and this research uh, and this result has been done in China, uh, the Chinese Academy of Sciences in Shanghai. Um, so what do you think? Well, I don't know if it's going, it's going to happen in our lifetime. Uh, 28 years ago, they did a sheep. Um, so now they're doing a monkey. Uh, and it is, you know, the, the wherewithal is there. And, and people who have money and have lost a loved one, what, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Yeah, they're, they're going to clone them. They've, they've cloned dogs and, and, and pets of, of various descriptions. So why not a loved one? Um, yep. Uh, and, and more important uh, scientific research... Uh, <laughs> from the makers of Biscuits McVitie's. They, I don't know if you know this, but they have a chief dunking officer, uh, Dr. Helen Pilcher, and she has done very important research on the dunking times of your favourite biscuits. <laughs> uh, the ginger nut, for example, requires just 0.3 seconds in a hot milky brew to achieve dunking perfection, while the chocolate hobnob requires 3.7 seconds. Very important, very important. See, I would have thought the ginger nut would have taken longer. It'd been a very hard biscuit, but no, it's it's not to do with it, how hard it is. It's to do with its natural porosity, as in porousness. Porosity, porousness. So the natural porosity of a biscuit makes it an ideal snack to be dipped into a drink and soak up all the deliciousness, Dr. Helen Pilcher is quoted as saying. Um, however, Brits, and I suppose we're the same, are still susceptible to overdunking their biscuits. Now, you don't want to overdunk. Uh, which is why we have identified the optimum dunking time and the dunking danger zone for a range of biscuits. I suppose the dunking danger zone is when you overdunk and the biscuit falls into your tea. And both are ruined. Both are ruined. We used to dunk the Mariettas in. And that, that, was, that was a dangerous activity because, you know, just there was a, there was a very small window of opportunity there uh, when you dunked it. And I'd say the dunking danger zone for Marietta was huge. I don't know if... Dr. Helen Pilcher would agree. Um, yeah, important scientific research. Uh, you can get, it's, it's, it's mad the way we go on with technology and we advance, we advance, advance, and we still really crave old school. I see now that you can get an iPhone with an actual keyboard on it. So for a long time, we've been perfecting the touch screen, you know, uh, and we're good luck to the keyboard. We have a touch screen. It's very fancy. Uh, but now, if you really miss having physical buttons on your mobile phone, but want to have the latest smartphone, you can now get an iPhone case with buttons built into it. Uh, it just connects into the lightning connector or your USB-C port. And we're heading towards universality or universality with the USB-C port, according to the EU. Uh, it makes your phone even bigger than it was or longer. Um, and and but you'll have your little keyboard. Now, you'd want to have little, tiny little fingers to do it because a tiny little keyboard. Um, but if that's what you want, good luck with that. Um, big, big expectation and, and a big buzz around True Detective. Um, True Detective Night Country Season 4. I have to admit, I didn't see any of the previous seasons. 
Uh, but because of the hype of this one and the fact that Jodie Foster is the star, because what they do is they it's it's a detective whodunit type thing and in each series they have a major Hollywood star. Colin Farrell was there at one stage and it's Jodie Foster's turn this time and it's set in Alaska in a town called Ennis. There you go. Yeah, Ennis, Alaska. Um, and uh, eight researchers disappear. I'm, I'm not, they were working on some sort of research out in one of those outposts and they just disappear. And Jodie Foster is the head of the local police force and she's sent in to solve the crime, if it is a crime or whatever it is. Anyway, the town is Ennis. Now, is there an Ennis in Alaska? No, there isn't. Because they, they couldn't possibly. Because there's loads of murders and all sorts of things have been said about the town. So they couldn't set it in a real town. But it's interesting that they chose Ennis as the name. Why did they choose Ennis? I don't know. There is an Ennis in Texas and there's an Ennis in Montana. And I suppose we need to remind it, particularly now with what's going on in, in, in the country, that we are all over the place. We have left this country and we've been made welcome in every country around the world. We, we need to remind ourselves about that. And, and, and with us, we, we brought whatever, but we also brought our place names. And I'm just looking at Wikipedia. For example, Avoca, right? Avoca, Wicklow. There's one in Arkansas, Florida, Indiana, Iowa, Louisville, Minnesota, Nebraska, New South Wales, New Zealand, Pennsylvania, Queensland, South Africa, and the list goes on. There's Avocas all over the world. There's Athlones all over the world. California, Cape Town. Dublins. There, there, there's numerous Dublins in, in many states in America. Alabama, um, California, Florida, Georgia, Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, Missouri, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Ohio. Actually, that remind. <laughs> Do you remember Murphy's microquism? Mike Murphy used to be on a Sunday evening and the car was the prize and they had families and it was high tech at the time. But I think, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, I think there was a viewer's quiz. Now, you wouldn't have that anymore because we have the internet. But once there was some sort of riddle and it was about uh, where would you be if Dublin was this miles away and Athens was another miles away and that, 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 that. And you're thinking that must be Dublin, Ireland. That must be Athens, Greece. But in fact, and this was the riddle, it was all Georgia because there's Athens, Georgia, famous for the home of REM. Uh, and then there's a Dublin in Georgia as well. And we went in the next morning into St. Joseph's Academy Kildare and uh, Mr. Loftus was a geography teacher. I don't know if he'd seen it or somebody brought it up, but we figured it out. We figured it out. We don't want to go and win whatever was to be won because we figured out the place was actually in Georgia. Uh, but uh, obviously other people around the country did and we didn't win anything, but it was a bit of crack in geography lesson uh, away from the curriculum. Um, yeah, so that's done. There's Donegal's as well everywhere. I'm just trying to think, look at anything else there. Waterford, yeah. Nova Scotia, you'd expect that. There's uh, strong links. There's a cashel in Zimbabwe. Um, and, and yeah, Irish place names all over uh, the world as if we need to be reminded that we have gone uh, and we have been we, we've gone when we had to and we've gone when we choose to. Uh, and we were made welcome around the world and we need to remind people in this country of that. Um, yeah. So that's that. 51551 Um I've never had Marry Me Chicken, Ray, but I'm expecting drama when I serve the wife my signature divorce dumplings this evening. <laughs> Vinny. Vinny, Vinny, Vinny. Uh, I won't say where you are, Vinny, because it might get you in trouble. Uh, love is something special. Description would make it less. It is what we feel but can't define. It is what we know but can't express. Now, that, yeah, I put that up on the... Because we, we read out another sign that I spotted in the florist on Monday. 
which I wouldn't put up in the house. But that love is something special. Description would make it less. It is what we feel but can't define. It is what we know but can't express. Isn't that lovely. Um, uh, we'd be naive to think someone somewhere has not cloned a human already, Ray. We'd know. I think we'd know about it. Would we not know about it? Uh, there's a Dundalk in Maryland. People say Maryland, but I'm, I'm, I was corrected once. It's Maryland. I think probably when I was on the Rose of Tralee. Uh, there's a Dublin in Ohio as well. Uh, there's a Boston near me in County Clare. Yes, that's Marianne. And Mariettas were a grand simple biscuit, weren't they? Uh, we were poor enough, so we dunked Mariettas, custard creams, and if we were very lucky, chocolate digestives. The neighbours had Viscounts, or maybe Viscounts, excuse me, Viscounts. You see, we didn't have them, so I didn't know how to pronounce them. You see, I didn't, yeah. Uh, we were with you. We had chocolate digestives. Maybe you could get two at the weekend as a treat. But normal proceedings was the Marietta. And a real treat was two Mariettas with butter in the middle. That, that, that was a real treat in the Darcy house. So there. Uh, 51551 five, one, Ray at rte.ie. That big plane has taken off. Yeah, uh, Lee Chang has gone back uh, to, to China. But it's a fascinating thing and we're going to find out more about it uh, in about 10 or 15 minutes' time. We mentioned um, Alaska, and of course, is it the capital or one of the biggest cities in Alaska is Anchorage? And that reminded me of this song. 51551, Ray at RTE.ie. Good afternoon. <laughs> Michelle Shocked, Anchorage on RT Radio 1. Uh, the Simpsons are set in Springfield because there are so many Springfields in the USA. Nobody knows where it is set. Aha. It's also an animation. Uh, I love to dunk Nice biscuits, Ray. I'm curious to see which way you pronounce it. Well, it's Nice, isn't it? It's not nice, it's Nice. You don't have nice biscuits. Well, you do have nice biscuits, but that's a, an adjective. It's it's not a, a name. It's Nice, Ger, isn't it? It is Nice. I hope it's Nice. Um, Irish funeral traditions are based on 19th century Victorian traditions. Uh, they are changing fast in the 21st century. People are now tailor-making their funerals. I recently heard Bat Out of Hell by Meatloaf in the crematorium. Many are dropping the black tie for bright celebratory clothing. That's Jasper uh, from McCarthy's Undertakers and Feathers, so he, he knows it's his business to know. Um, now, uh, we're looking for two of you to come on after four o'clock and take part in our Who Done a Quiz. As always, there's a prize, and this week it's two nights' day for two people in the Heritage in County Leash, Killinard in County Leash to be exact. So, a two nights' day, and you get dinner on one evening in Blake's Restaurant. Uh, they also have their award-winning spa where you can try out one of their luxury treatments or take advantage of their thermal suite, including their brand-new state-of-the-art salt cave and sauna. I'm intrigued. Um, Kilnard and the Heritage is less than 20 minutes from Kildare Village. And you can find out more theheritage.com. Theheritage.com. And there are loads of offers there on theheritage.com. Here's your qualifying question for this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, the biggest commercial plane landed in Dublin last night. Where did the plane come from? China or Chile? Or is it Chile? Uh, China or Chile? So the biggest commercial plane landed in Dublin last night. Where did the plane come from? China or Chile? 0818 715 925. That's 0818 715 925. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Email ray at rte.ie. 
The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Anonymous texture on, I worked as a hostess on the first series of Murphy's Microquism with Mike Murphy. I was horrified recently when my son discovered an episode online. It was a truly terrible quiz show. I don't remember it has been truly terrible. It was of its time. It was state of the art. It was high tech. And you could win a car. And Mike Murphy was there. What's there not to like? Um, somebody else says, My dad has the buttering of Marietta's down to a fine art. He makes a little pile of buttered pairs of biscuits before he starts his tea. Mm. We got oat cakes. Or, you know, oat, they're sort of for having cheese with. They were in one of the hampers we got over Christmas. And, uh, oh, that was nice over Christmas. And lashing butter on them. Cold butter on oat cakes. Delicious. Absolutely delicious. Uh, now, uh, the news today has been all about Chinese Premier uh, Li Cheng, uh, or Chang, his visit to Ireland. But eyes were on the skies yesterday evening as Air China Flight CCA-001, a Boeing 747-8, arrived in Dublin Airport. And again, as it left... Uh, this afternoon, plane spotters, also known as Av Geeks and airline enthusiasts, were out in force to see the largest passenger aircraft to land uh, in Dublin Airport in its 84 year history. Aaron Moore travelled from Mullingar to see the spectacle and he's on the line now. Hello, Aaron. Ray, good evening. How are you? Yeah. Um, yes. So you're, you're a self confessed plane spotter. I am a self-confessed plane spotter. That's a good way of putting it. I'm I'm happy to say and uh, I'm happy to talk about it with anybody who asks. Yes, and and av geek is, is that a derogatory term, or you're happy with that as well? Um, I think some people think it's derogatory. Some people like it. Um, plane enthusiasts, you know, plane photographers. I think there's a lot of people that you know are in it for different things. Okay. Some people are in just to watch the plane. Some people do the photography side. Some people write down tail numbers of planes. You know, there's a lot of people that get into it for for different things and and what they enjoy. But whatever your interest is in aviation, uh, yesterday evening was a big day in, in, in the Irish aviation calendar. Absolutely. Yesterday was, was massive, um, massive for, for all the plane enthusiasts, massive for all the staff in Dublin Airport. Um, like they said online, it was, it was history yesterday. It was the largest commercial plane ever to land in Dublin Airport. Mm. Um, it, was, it was a really special thing to see. And the most kind of special thing was that it wasn't just plane enthusiasts that were there last night. It was, it was everybody, anybody who'd seen it online or heard it on the radio. It was, it was everybody. It was families. It was, it was parents. It was kids. And, and everybody got a, a great enjoyment out of seeing it come in last night. So where did you locate yourself? So I was on the Swords Road, just kind of east of the of the runway. So oh. I was directly underneath it as it came in on its final approach. And, and it was a great spot to see because you were directly below it as it flew in. And, and being kind of beneath something that big, you realise this plane is so much bigger than your average plane <laughs> you'd see in Dublin Airport. You know, your Aer Lingus, Ryanair, any plane you go on your holidays on, it was, it was colossal. Are you talking twice, three times? Oh, easily, easily yeah. twice the size. And, and the, the 747s have four engines. All, most other planes in Dublin only have two, you know, so you get them, the extra noise, the extra extra kind of atmosphere. And yeah. and you can hear it from a couple of miles back. And, and even when it's down the very other end of the runway, you can still hear it. Yeah. I, I'm just looking at the, at the stats here from Boeing. So it, on a wing, you could fit three detached, three-bedroom houses on, on yeah. one wing. Yeah, it's 68, 68 metres wide, the wings are. Right, each. Yeah. Right. Colossal. Uh, and Absolutely then it's, colossal. It's, it's the equivalent of uh, the height, six-storey building. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and then it travels like at a, an amazing speed. So it can travel the distance of a marathon in two and a half minutes. Yeah. 
it's 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 incredibly quick and and because it's the new new variation it's more efficient it's cheaper to run um but you know if if you really want to talk numbers the weight of the thing the maximum takeoff weight is 441 tons well no you see that, that that means nothing to me you see Aaron but that's 221 double decker buses right there that you might go mean that's, something now, to now you. that's that's what we want we, that's the sort there of detail go. we want yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i I'm, I'm just seeing that its range is 14000 kilometers over 14000 kilometers and i put it into google uh, according to google maps from dublin to beijing is 8277 yeah, uh, so I it could nearly fly there and halfway back. Halfway back on, on, on a single tank. Yeah, it didn't tell me how many bicycles were in Beijing. Anyway, um, so so <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's a big deal. It, it took off when? Uh, it took off at about 10 to 3. It was due to take off at about 10 past 2, so it was a little bit behind, but trying to um, trying to get something that big, and, and especially because um, of the, the kind of high security with, mm. with somebody, someone so important on the plane, takes a little bit. It was a little bit delayed coming in last night from Zurich. Um, but everybody was still happy to wait the extra extra hour and a half to see it come in. And were there many people there t- today now to see it take off? I'd say there was. I wasn't there. Oh, myself, you weren't there, unfortunately. Yeah, and, no, and I had to I had to work today. But um, I'm intrigued to know what the interior. I know, I don't know if you know about the interior of it. I'm intrigued about that. That you, know, I it's it's an air Chi- air China's. Um, it's a standard seven four seven. Um, so it would have economy, business, first. All oh, right, class. so it's not. It hasn't been uh, sort of redone. Uh, hasn't no, got a it's makeover just, it's a for standard the pr- just oh, right. Air China seven four seven that will go back to Beijing and and probably be used on uh, ah. on another on another flight somewhere else in the world in the next couple of days. Oh, I I see. I imagined a hot tub and a, and a sort of a, a round bed like Austin Powers. Yeah, I think we all think private jets. No, no, you know, no, and, no, and no. even even something so similar, we all think of Air Force One, which is a similar size. They're yeah. both seven four sevens, and and we've all seen Air Force One in movies or videos, yeah. and it's it's the lap of luxury on them. But but this one is is it'll be back doing its day to day stuff. It'll, it'll be back on a normal service in the next couple of days, no doubt. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, but 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 isn't it mad because we're such a small country? I suppose these like these the fleets of these in China and other countries and they're flying up here, there, and everywhere. But first time yeah. in Ireland. It's 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 the first time a seven four seven dash eight has landed in Dublin. Seven four sevens are quite common down in Shannon, um, where the runway is longer and it's more of a a stopping off or refueling for um large cargo flights from Europe to America. Right. Um. So if you, you head down to Shannon, you see a lot more of these. You see larger planes. Shannon a couple of years ago during the pandemic had the Antonov AN two two five, which was the largest plane in the world, um, which was which was destroyed during the the war in Ukraine. Um, but that's that's even bigger than the seven four seven, and and Shannon gets a lot of them. But for Dublin, because it has a shorter runway and it's a much more busier airport in terms of passenger flights, mm. we don't get many of these yeah. big big planes. You know, and to see something as big as a seven four seven, there is is quite special. Yeah. So what 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 happens now? How do you match that? <laughs> that's you know, I I think that's that's it now. You that's know, it? every for every, another eighty four years, <laughs> always dreams of a, an A three eighty, which is the double decker plane oh, that, right. that fly between Dubai and London to see one of them. But Dublin Airport is is not big enough to handle that size of a plane. Right. So and will it happen in your lifetime? An A three eighty in Dublin at, at Dublin Airport. I don't know if they can extend the airport, maybe, yeah. but... Well, listen, um, if it does happen, know, we'll have you on again. <laughs> that, that, well, there we go. Thanks, Aaron. Good to talk to you. Right, Cheers, mind yourself. See you. Bye. Yeah. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1.
Now, uh, Kate Gunn uh, joins us in studio. She's a writer and uh, a few years ago she wrote a book called Accidental Soberista, The Accidental Soberista, about her experience of giving up a drink for a month and then staying off it forever. Isn't that correct? It is. Now, now, as it happens, it wasn't January, it was October, but but we're in the middle of uh, dry January um, and uh, we we thought we'd go out and measure uh, people's reaction to the concept and drink in general and giving up the drink and all that. Uh, and Sinead Neulicon is on the line. Hello, Sinead. Hello, Ray. Greetings from Dublin. Yes. So we're doing something a little bit different today because we've sent you out to, to, to gauge people's reaction uh, to dry January and drink. We better get your story first, if you don't yeah. mind. Yeah. Well, dry January, I haven't done it in the past. I've tried a few years in a row, but January is the time of year when there's not much happening. It's quiet. You're strapped for cash. Your body, I suppose, isn't as healthy as it was perhaps uh, during the year because of all the food that has been consumed at Christmas time and the drink as well. So I did try it a few years, but I was a little bit hard on myself because it wasn't that I was just trying to do dry January, but I was trying to go to the gym. I was trying to cut out chocolate. I was trying to cut out sugar. And I think I had too much on my plate. Mm. So I've never been successful. But I have been successful doing a dry month. Uh So last year, um, after my birthday in March, I decided that I'd try and give up the drink for a little while. So I lasted for, I would say, about a month, in and around a month. So I went out the night of the 3rd of March, my birthday is the 4th, and I woke up on the 4th and I just felt a little bit weak, uh, unhappy, unhealthy I had a pain in my head and I thought to myself look don't carry on like this so I did it for about three weeks or so and I was successful and it was really gradually that I included or brought alcohol back into my life again a lot had to do with social settings and meeting friends and things can I ask you can I ask you did you appreciate any of the pluses of not drinking while you were off it. I did. I had more money. I felt healthier. Mm. I felt smog in the mornings, waking <laughs> up and feeling like um, like I was fresher than I would have been had I been drinking. Mm. I felt like I had more energy. My skin was better. Um, January is a month, as I was saying, after December and after eating everything around you, my skin is in bits at the moment, so I'm half considering dry January as well. Yeah. But I did feel better. More money in my pocket, that smugness, and just an overall healthier feeling, okay. but more energy. Right. Now, your job today was to, to go out there and see what people were talking about and if they'd done it and would they do it. And what did you find? Well, I met Ray first and uh, he was reflecting on the month of December and how it's perhaps a good time, the start of the new year, to focus on dry January. We all do a little bit more than we should over the Christmas, so why not take a break one month of the year? Have you ever tried it? Not deliberately, (laughs) but yeah, I've gone a month probably builds up your enjoyment for February. <laughs> you get into a rut where you're, you're drinking for the sake of drinking. But if you give it up for a month, then when the month's up, you're almost forgetting that 
you wanted a drink and you might even stretch it out an extra week. Is a lot of what we do wrapped up with drinking when it comes to socialising? Not as much as it used to be. The younger generation and the older generation, that middle generation, my age, 30, 40, 50, probably don't socialise as much in pubs like we used to, that kind of thing. Definitely a lot of the people that have come into Ireland don't generally drink in pubs. I, I know up by me in Town, all the pubs are closed by one hotel because nobody goes to the pubs anymore. Yeah, so that's Ray there. Mm. I met uh, Mary as well. Mary doesn't drink, but she had an interesting insight. Dry January doesn't really affect me because I'm not a drinker and neither is my husband. So dry January is probably more about uh, cutting back a few calories rather than any of the alcohol. I suppose I admire people who, who do it because obviously people like a drink and I know life is stressful and some people like the glass of wine or the few pints at the weekend and probably people when they socialise in a pub might find it difficult but I know a lot of people who don't drink in January so I think if it's for you good for you if not no judgment non-judgmental Mary yeah it's a good way to be Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Leila is 19 I have never actually tried it myself if I've done it it's been unintentionally but I've never actually set out and been like I'm going to try go the months without drinking it's mostly that like I'm not really bothered to go out and I just do it anyways without actually intentionally making an effort to do it I would probably go out only on occasions for the likes of birthdays family things but like my family and myself we're not big drinkers so we wouldn't really drink at home like some of my friends' families would and stuff like that it could really improve people's not only mental health but physical health too to just do the month after and kind of recover and stuff because after you do go through all this kind of alcohol and stuff your body kind of feels more fatigued and stuff so it would be very nice to put it your head down and try go the month later and see how much better you would feel rather than the rest of the year when you have so many occasions to drink for the likes of Paddy's Day and Christmas and you know all the excuses like oh my god it's Christmas we may as well just drink that kind of stuff so I'd say it could improve a lot of people's lives if they actually tried Do hangovers get worse as you get older? Now, I'm only 19, so I don't know, but I've had quite the bad few hangovers now since I was younger, because obviously, you know, as you get older and you go mad, I think it just takes a towel on you after time, and especially if you are a big drinker, kind of like a weekend drinker and stuff, week after week after week, as you get older, I don't think your body can actually take it as much as you can when you are, like, my age or something, so, but I even feel that hangovers that I've got even last year compared to this year, like, I kind of wake up feeling so much more tired, whereas I've been hopping out of bed being like, right, I'm tired, but not that I'm not incapable of doing something, I'm thinking I'm stuck in bed now, and that's why I don't really like drinking because I hate that feeling. So I think hangovers actually do get quite worse. How's Layla there? Yeah, and it does take its toll. It's not just the night that you go out drinking, but it's the following day as well, and perhaps even the day after. And Martin, um, he was in the throes of a hangover when you met him. I'm after having surgery, so you're having a lot of drink for the last year. In fact, I went out last night and had eight points. I'm absolutely devastated by this now. And do you regret having the pints? No, because I, I wanted to see the friends I haven't seen in three years. Where I, I regret this morning, yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I can't go to work, you know. Describe how you feel. Nausea, yeah, nausea, stomach upset. We just have to have a bowl of soup. Right? <laughs> Did it go down easy? Yeah, 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 fairly easy, yeah. Considering how you felt this morning, would you consider giving up the drink for a longer period of time? Yeah, yeah, totally. Actually, give it up totally. Because since I had the surgery during the course of the year, I've only been out four times. And I literally don't miss it. I only went out to be social with the lads last... I hadn't seen them in three years, no? So, yeah, I was considered totally giving up drink, yeah. Mm-hmm. No problem. Yeah, you know, I, I won't touch a drink now for months now again, you know. 
you get too old and you're not used to hangovers then, you know. Just can't take them, you know. And the hangovers sometimes bleed into the next day as well. Well, I couldn't go to work today. Simple, I drive a taxi, so um, it's totally illegal to, to follow a date to drive a taxi, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not only is it impacting your body, but your pocket as well? Correct, yeah, yeah, financially, yeah, correct. I've lost a day's wages, plus a few bob for a few points last night. I feel his pain, uh, Martin. Yeah. Uh, Sinead, thank you so much for that. Um, did anybody no say problem. they didn't want to comment on their drinking habits? No, everyone was pretty open now with me yesterday evening when I was out and about. And um, yeah, very open. And it was funny because I did meet a good few people who didn't drink as well. Mm, mm, okay. And I was half expecting it to be, say, 50-50. But I would say it was more maybe 65-35. 65 non-drinkers. Non-drinkers, right. yes. That's, that's Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, interesting. Sinead, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. That's Sinead uh-huh. Neulik on there. Uh, Kate Gunn was listening to that and Kate uh, wrote a book called The Accidental Soberista uh, on her experience of giving up drink in October of 2016, Kate. Yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, just listening to the callers there. Um, very interesting. I can definitely relate to the hangovers getting worse uh, as you get older. That definitely uh, rang true for me. But also, um, Sinead said there, you know, she was listing off all the different benefits that she had felt in those three weeks. And yet the draw is so um, hard. It, it pulls you back in, even okay. with all those benefits, you know. And your relationship with drink probably is echoed around the country. You started at 16, getting into pubs with fake ID, probably. Went went to college, drank a lot. Absolutely, yeah. Had, like I would say, a totally uh, normal relationship with alcohol um, in Ireland. So, um, But this is a normal relationship with uh, with alcohol in Ireland. That's interesting, isn't it? Because it's what's perceived to be normal in Ireland. Yeah, the cultural norms of the country that Mm. we live in. um, You know, 16 probably would have been quite late (laughs) to to start. Uh, And yes, with the fake IDs and in the pubs at like early ages. Um, And I drank all through college, through my 20s, when the kids were young. Um, Never to work worrying levels. Um, It's that grey area drinking or mid lane drinking um, where, you know, you're definitely not an alcoholic. You're definitely not a teetotaler. You're a moderate drinker. Sometimes you drink too much, sometimes not at all. Um, And I would say, you know, probably um, less than a lot of my friends, maybe a bit more than some, uh, but nothing that anyone would ever have said. Give us an example of your average behaviour, say, in your 30s. Um, in my 30s I had uh, three young kids so it would have been at home drinking um, would have shared a bottle of wine in the evening kind of got into a bad habit of of maybe like most evenings every evening Uh, I would say five or six (laughs) evenings so you'd be counting down to the kids in bed sharing that bottle of wine having like your own time in the day Um, but of course me time me time. Wine then time. The, the <laughs> next day, of course, is harder because you've got the alcohol in your system and you're tired and then you're counting down to the next mm. evening. Um, so, yeah, same as same as so many mothers and fathers around yeah. the country, I'd say. But you didn't think you had a problem at all? Um, I didn't think I had a problem. Um, and again, in the cultural norms, I would say I didn't. Uh, but having given up and looking back, it, it seems crazy to me that, like, I drank that much and had those hangovers that were like, as I, as I got older, they got so bad, I might spend a whole day in bed uh, on a Saturday. And that might be after two glasses of wine or, um, you know, three quarters of a bottle. It, it would just depend on, on the day. Um, but I could spend a whole day in bed. Um, I would like, you know, have vomiting, be really bad. Um, but even that, it wouldn't have questioned whether I would give up because that was inconceivable to me. Why inconceivable? Um, because nobody around me 
uh, didn't drink. Um, I couldn't imagine life without it. I couldn't imagine social situations without it. I'd been drinking since 16, um, hadn't kind of learned how to be without it. Um, so it was just, yeah, it, it, like the brain did not compute the possibility of giving up until I saw a couple of other people in my life give up. Because mm. I'd say people are listening to going, yeah, I, I just can't imagine life without drink. Mm. Uh, and particularly in this country, uh, because there is that culture. It seems yeah. to be changing slightly, is it? A hundred percent changing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, when I gave up, it, it would have been uh, very unusual. I just did a 30 days and then it continued on. Um, but nowadays it's much more acceptable. Um, you can even see all of the, the alcohol brands are bringing out those non-alcoholic uh, versions. Um, they're not stupid. They're doing it because the demand is there. Okay. Um, and all the stats back that up. Okay. So for people who want to do it, and you, it happened by accident away because it was 30 days. And, and what encouraged you to do more than 30 days? Um, we went into the 30 days. So myself and my partner did it together. So that was a big thing. I had somebody to do it with. Um, and we went into it um, with the view of, OK, what can we do out of this? We signed up to like a, a 10K run, um, focused on the mornings, um, really the benefits of, of what we were going to get out, out of those 30 days rather than, oh, my God, my life's over for 30 days. I'm going to hide away. Um, so those that month was was unexpectedly really good. Um, we saw loads of benefits and we thought, will we try this? We were doing like there was a, a no one year, no beer group. And we thought we do the 90 days. And that brought us up through Christmas. I thought, God, if we could do Christmas, we could do anything. So we literally did the th- 30 days, 90 days and then 365 days. Um, and after that, there was no going back. And what about all the, the people you mentioned earlier on that all your friends and, and relatives, I suppose, are all drinking mm-hmm. and, and you were going out and Kate, you have one. Well, you have. Um, yeah, so I think the message of that was like much easier because it was like, oh, I'm just off it for 30 uh-huh. days. So you weren't like going into this into the pub and going, oh, I don't drink anymore. Right. Um, so it was just a 30 day <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, and then people very quickly just get used to the mm. fact that you're not drinking. And again, all of those non-alcoholic options that are in the pubs these days, um, you don't stand out. You've got a beer in front of you or a fake gin and tonic or whatever it is. Yeah. And I was reading an article you wrote back in 2017, so it was still fresh. Mm. Uh, and you were saying things about how people react to you and that maybe they're defensive because mm. you're holding a mirror up to their behaviour. Yeah, I think, I, and, you know, I'll say that I probably was that person before I gave up. So, you know, I would have been um, sat beside a non-drinker at a wedding, say, and be like, oh, my God, rolling my eyes like, you know, this is going to be painful. Um, but it's because you're then nervous about, you know, am I slurring? How am I coming across? Are they judging me? Um, so I've been on both sides. Um, and, you know, as a non-drinker now, uh, absolutely not judging you. You know, I'll I'll... When when it starts to get repetitive and boring, twelve o'clock, I'm usually out of there. Um, but and I've you've seen, the car, and you've got the car. It's <laughs> the joy. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, it's I, I can see why people are defensive. Totally understand that. Yeah, it, it's odd because in all of those, although no really heavy drinkers in that in that those vox pops there, but everybody is aware of the harm the drink is doing to them, hmm. but yet they continue to drink. Yeah, it's that love hate relationship, and I think like if anybody kind of has been having those arguments with themselves or like, you know, I'm only going to drink on a, a Friday and Saturday night. I'm I'm only going to have three drinks if I go out. I'm only going to do it. And you're making these rules with yourself and you're making those rules with yourself because something's not right or it's starting to kind of take from mm. your life more than it's giving to it. Um, so I think, 
yeah, not everybody is ready to do the 30 days or, or, or give it up at, at all. But I think if you're starting to question things or you're getting kind of curious about this movement of, of people giving up, uh, then maybe something isn't right in your life and maybe you should try it. Uh, there's more information now than there would have been mm. 20 years ago about the harmful effects of drink. It, that's feeding into it as well, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think that's the motivating factor for most right, okay. people, but it definitely is like a huge long-term So what, is the, what is the motivating factor then? Um, I think it's the, the immediate results, you know, you, you, the, whether you have like a goal in life or, or, you know, some fitness thing you want to tick off or you're feeling you're dragging yourself through the days. Like I felt I was kind of operating at a 60% level and I just thought, oh, that's middle age. Mm. I'm just getting old and that's, that's it. Um, but the, the energy that you get back and the sleep and all of the things that, that you get back from it are phenomenal. It's it's interesting you say that because people who are living their lives and, and, and drinking away, that, that that's their normal. They mm. don't have your version of the world yeah. to compare it to. Yeah. So I was running at that 60% but had yeah. no idea that I was running at that I'm 60%. wondering about the language, even dry January. Ah, oh, it's awful. Yeah. Because you're abstaining, you're giving up. Yeah. Sobriety, depriving yourself. Yeah. They're all quite negative terms, aren't they? Uh, absolutely. And I think that switch to the positive has only come in recent years. Um, and what are, what, how do you do the positives? How do I do them? Yeah, but like, how do you sell it? Do you, I know you're not evangelistic about this, but mm. I'm sure people are curious when they talk to you. Uh, and they ask you, you know, what are the benefits, Kate? Like, yeah. why, why should I do it? Yeah, like, so, like some of them were touched on there um, in, in the Vox Pops. But uh, the, the immediate ones for me were the, the amount of energy I had, the productivity, the clarity of mind, um, anxiety reduces, you got more money, your sleep is better. Uh, it's literally like relationships, your like parenting, every aspect right. of life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> improves. So it's like the crazy thing is, you know, why? do we go back to it? Yeah. Well, the buzz, the, the, you know, it gives me in social situations, it disinhibits me. It allows mm. me to be more social. That's, yeah. That's and as a, as an introvert, that was my problem. So I would go, you know, from 16, you know, I, find, I found when we started to go out to the pub, I would find myself uncomfortable in those big groups of people sitting in the pub. So that having that magical elixir that, that gave you confidence and made you comfortable um, was amazing. But then you're you're drinking in every social situation. So mm. you haven't learned to be who you really are in those social situations without it. So that's a that's a learning experience. You have to gain. Right. Your so confidence. how is it then in those situations without drink? So initially awkward. Um, so the first couple of times I did feel awkward. Um, so that was difficult. Um, but it's it's like practice makes perfect. You go through a couple of those experiences, you get better at it, you know yourself better. I don't need to be the one at the table who's telling all the stories and, and talking the loudest. Yeah. I'm happy to kind of embrace that uh, person that I am. And you are now a non-drinker. Yes. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. And you say that now as opposed to making some Yeah, I me- and I remember the first time I said it, it's like somebody offered me some wine. I said, oh, I don't drink. And I was like taken aback at the fact that I'd said it out, out loud. loud. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, there is a kind of bravado attached to imbibing large amounts of alcohol and bragging about the hangover. It's sad, really. My liver is my best friend. So somebody, I have to say, having a bottle of wine six days a week can't possibly consider as a cultural norm in this country. Uh, can it? Uh, in my 30s, I'm probably drink every month or two. Maybe just having a few friends uh, or with dinner. Uh, all my friends will be similar. 
So that's it's, it's a generational thing as well. Uh, interesting conversation. I'm surrounded by a lot of people in my life, both family and friends, who don't drink at all. I don't find it uh, that unusual not to drink. I have two young adults in my house. One does not drink at all. Uh, the other rarely. Uh, common in their social circle. Nobody comments. So uh, that's... Great, isn't it? Yeah, fantastic. I mean, things are definitely changing. For the better. One day, you know, we won't be having, like, conversations (laughs) and writing books about the fact that somebody doesn't drink, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But it's an important book. It's an important book. And thanks for coming in eventually because we tried to get you in over the years and there was COVID and all sorts of things. Uh, So good to see you. And the the book is The Accidental Soberista, Kate Gunn. Thanks, Kate. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Do we have to take a commercial break? We do. And then I'll be down in Studio 8 when you hear me again. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. We're in Studio 8 with Amble. Good afternoon, lads. Hi, Ray. How's it going? Uh, great to see you again. Uh, we have Oshin and Robbie and Ross. And we had you in in November, yep, which yep. isn't too long ago. But we're, you're back in now because of the new single. New single, yeah. Which, ironically or coincidentally, is called Mary's Pub. And you're going to sing that for us at the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we played it there last week and it just sounds amazing. Thanks. So congratulations. Thanks congratulations. It's one of the best Irish songs I've heard in a long time. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. It's, there you it's go. lovely to hear. Thanks. Yeah, and just to remind people, you're only together a week. Yeah, that's it. We're only together a little, uh, little over a year now. Um, we didn't previously know each other at all, but we came together through music. And just in the last year, things have really grown uh, with a couple of singles like Lonely Island and uh, more recently Mary's Pub. So, look, we're, we're really excited for right. 24 and see how it goes. Yeah, um, uh, and Sligo Leitrim Longford, in that mm-hmm. order, Oisín, uh, Robbie and Ross. And you're going to sing a John Prine song for we us? We are, yeah, uh, Speed of the Sound of Loneliness. Cool. You come home late and you come home early You come home big when you're feeling small You come home straight and you come home curly Sometimes you don't come home at all So what in the world has come over you What in heaven's name have you done You've broken the speed of the sound of loneliness You're out there running just to be on the run I got a heart burns with a fever And I got worried and a jealous mind But how can love that last forever Get left so far behind So what in the world has come over you What in heaven's name have you done Broken speed of the sound of loneliness You're out there running just to be on the run
Mighty mean and a dreadful sorrow has crossed the evil line today. Well, how can you ask about tomorrow when you ain't got one word to say? What in the world has come over you? What in heaven's name have you done? Broken the speed of the sound of loneliness You're out there running to be on the run What in the world has come over you? What in heaven's name have you done? You've broken the speed of the sound of loneliness You're out there running just to be on the run. Ah, great version of a great song. That's lovely. Thanks. Just one question. Did you get a deal on the Doc Martin shoes? (laughs) (laughs) For a joke. Basic. 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 Job love. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, uh, Amber are staying with us in their Doc Martin shoes and they're going to sing us out with their new single, Mary's Pub, uh, before half four. But for the moment, lads, thank you very much. Lovely. Thanks very much. And Ishtosh now in the pre scale to Nanook to La to Wallish. Thank you very much. Um, now, 5155 on ray at now, Ray, who came up with the dry January concept? I think this month is dark and dismal enough without depriving oneself of a little tipple, if you so desire. Don't get me wrong, I'm not a regular drinker, but like an occasional glass of wine, when I feel like it, Lent looms large on the horizon soon after January, so as well. So not my cup of tea, so to speak, says Robin. Um, and... Um, uh, interesting conversation I did already and uh, Amble delighted to hear Amble heard the beautiful song Mary's Pub um, last week it's class uh, well they're playing it live for us uh, Brian before the end of the show uh, and uh, just on funerals and dressing for funerals I will never forget the image of a relative of mine coming towards me at my mother's funeral mass uh, my mother died tragically uh, we were heartbroken and this person was wearing a stunning red dress, had perfect makeup on as well. She looked like she was off to a party. I was shocked as I felt there was no empathy whatsoever. In my opinion, there's no requirement for black, but we should always be respectful. Fair enough. Uh, and there's a few on Morphe's microquism as well, which I may get to, but brings us nicely on to our own little quizm here. The Who Dinner Quiz. Two quizzers standing by and one will get a two-night stay for two people in the Heritage in County Leash in Killinard. Um, it's 20 minutes from Kildare Village and they've loads on offer down there. Uh, there's golf and there's walks and there's luxury treatments uh, or you can take advantage of their thermal suite including the brand new state-of-the-art salt cave and sauna. Um, and they have midweek escapes and you can find out more at theheritage.com. Hello, Tommy Claffy. How are you? How are you, Ray? Are you well? I'm not too bad, yeah. yeah. Fault to go here. Oh, right, right. Uh, which, you're, you're going to solve that for yourself. Where are you heading to? Oh, going over to Canaries, right? Nice. Yeah. Have you been, looking at, the, have you been looking at the temperature? Yeah. You, you always do, don't you? 22, 23. Yeah. a lot of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that's a good, like, depending on where you look, but it was minus five, I think, in Kilkenny last night, so... 22, that's 27 degrees in the difference between Kilkenny last night and where you're heading very shortly. Um, how long will you stay? Uh, 10 days. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I, I, I'm busy today, so I'm going to go straight over to, to John in Carrigaline. How are you doing, John? 
Hey, Ray, how's it going? Not too bad. Are you heading anywhere nice soon? Uh, hopefully to the Heritage and Kilinerds. Uh, no, <laughs> we've, we've no breaks. There you yet. go. There you go, Tommy. He's throwing down the gauntlet there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you're a manager in where? Uh, Vincent's charity shop on the main street of Carrigal Line. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, brilliant. Um, and, and, so and, busy January, very busy January. Yeah, and, and and the brilliant thing about it is that that there was a time when people would have looked down their noses at buying clothes from that sort of shop. They don't anymore. Nobody does because we're in an era now of sustainability and the circular economy, uh, which is probably good news for you. One hundred percent. Keeps me busy. Keeps me busy, and uh, we raise vital funds for St Vincent the Paul, which which goes far. So. Great. Great. It's all positive. Okay, uh, so it's uh, Tommy versus John. Uh, three questions each. I give you the category, then ask if you want a clue. If you go for a clue and get it right, you get uh, a point. If you go without a clue, it's more difficult. So you get two points. And whoever has the most points is the winner. And they're off to the heritage. And if it's drawn points, we go to a tiebreak question. Good luck, Tommy. Good luck, John. Here we go. Cheers. Tommy, uh, as, as usual, music is our first category. Do you want a clue or not? Oof. Uh... Yeah, go on. Oh, you want a clue? Okay, right, right. Yeah. Um, Here's the clue. You can never leave their hotel. So for one point, who is this? Johnny, come lately. The new kid in town. Everybody loves you. So don't let them down. You look in her eyes, the music. Who's that? You never can leave their hotel. You can never leave their hotel. No. Check out. No. The Eagles. No. The reference is Hotel California. California, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Early days, don't panic. John, music. Do you want a clue or not? Uh, No clue, right? No clue. For two, who is this? Who's that? Fleetwood Mac. It is. Rhiannon from 1975. Two points. Good start for you. Now, Tommy, you're only under a bit of pressure. Uh, yeah. S- second category, Star Wars characters. What do you think? <laughs> haven't got a clue, but I go for, two, I go for the two. Okay. I either know it or I don't. Exactly. So, for two points, can you name this Star Wars character? Not the actor, but the character. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person. My ship has fallen under attack, and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I have placed information vital to the survival of the Rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well? Obi-Wan Kenobi? No. His mother. <laughs> You're a chancer. You're a chancer. <laughs> I don't know if Obi Wan Kenobi had a mother. Oh, did you know? Princess Leia. We were played by oh, Carrie yeah. Fisher, Princess Leia. Now, uh, here's the thing, Tommy. If John gets anything, John, and you, you pay attention as well, because if you get anything from this, Tommy can't catch you. So it's Star Wars characters. If you get anything from this question, uh, you're today's winner. What do you want to do? 
Right, I might as well take the clue. Yes, uh, you might as well. Uh, so it's Star Wars characters uh, again. Uh, here's your clue. He prefers to navigate the galaxy alone. He prefers to navigate the galaxy alone. Who is this for one point? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, Hiss like weapons malfunction. But uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? We're sending a squad up. Uh, uh, negative, negative. We have a, a reactor leak here uh, now. Give us a few minutes to lock it down. Uh, large leak, very dangerous. Who's that? Right, I don't know Star Wars, but I'm going to take a guess. Is it Luke Skywalker? No! Han Solo! He prefers okay. to navigate the galaxy alone. Han Solo, played by a young Harrison Ford. Okay, you're still in it, Tommy. Tommy, you're still in it. <laughs> 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 right. Uh, okay. Um, Australian actors. Two, don't yeah, you do. Australian actors. You have to go for two. Uh, so, can you name this Australian actor for two points and uh, to stay in the quiz? Good luck. I also am a mother and a wife. I have two little girls, um, Sunny and Faith, and my darling Keith, who I ask to help me pursue this artistic path, and they have to sacrifice so much for it. So, this is yours. I want my little girls to have this on their shelf. Who's that? I haven't a clue. <laughs> Nicole Kidman. No. Oh, Nicole Kidman, yeah. I thought she was American. Yeah, she's Australian. Yeah, she's been in America right. a long time. Uh, okay, Tommy, Enjoyed listen. It. Listen, great talking yeah. to you. We're going to send you out a Ray Darsh show, Keep Cup. You can bring it to the Canaries with you and enjoy the sunshine. <laughs> And I will, Ray. As, as Baz Luhrmann said, wear sunscreen. See you. See you, Tommy. Good luck. See you. Bye, bye, bye. bye. Uh, John, well done. Uh, you're off Thanks to um, yeah. You're off to the Heritage, uh, not to the Canaries, but to the Heritage, and you can go to theheritage.com to see what's in store for you. Well done, John. Mind yourself. Beautiful. See Thanks you now. A million. Bye, bye. Cheers. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. On RTE Radio One. You're pathetic. Email ray at rte.ie The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1 Now we're joined in studio uh, by Ray and Alison Ray O'Neill and Alison Keating and they're here to give you advice on uh, relationship woes you may be having having. Uh, Happy New Year Ray Many many happy returns this is the last week I'm saying it. Yeah. Happy New Year, I'm very happy New Year to you. Like, by the end of this week, you don't be, you don't say it to anybody. Unless you're Chinese, yes. then it starts okay, all over yeah, again. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we were talking to Kate Gunn and we were talking to members of the public as well about drink uh, in the first hour. And I suppose on the back of that, we got a question for you, which which makes complete sense. Uh, so we'll start with that one. Uh, in regards uh, to the show today, I've been reducing my alcohol consumption for a year now. My wife has no inclination to reduce her drinking, though. This has led to a sort of disconnecting our routines and lifestyle what is the best way to address this and actually Kate when we were talking to her says that said that her partner had given up a drink as well and she couldn't have done it without that you know that if your partner was drinking you were trying to give it up it would create a bit of a disconnect and that's what's happening here so Alison what's your advice on that I think um, if they can have a conversation about it really really straightforward conversation say look I've, you know, been really sober curious the last year. I've been aware and reducing down my alcohol and it's kind of opened up my eyes to a different way of living. Um, like the per- they might notice that they have more energy, that they, they wake up at the weekend and rather than have a hangover, they actually have loads of energy. And 
You know, what's really interesting is that for people who don't drink, the weekend is a very different experience, but actually in a positive way that no one really often sees. So I remember I was training for something once and like I was pretty young at the time. but So it was a revelation for me to be up and out at like half seven, eight o'clock in the morning. And I'd be down at the beach and I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> look at this. Like, and there was all people running and kind of walking and swimming. And I was like, a whole new world exists that I didn't actually know about. And it, it really changed my perspective on on the way we live our weekends and I think I never actually went back and I thought to myself well if you're out till three or four o'clock in the morning you know as you would be in your 20s or whatever you know you're, you're, yeah, it's great. <laughs> but you, you know when you when you actually then are, change and, and especially when you when you kind of like go into your 30s and your 40s and like that person was saying you know hangovers are a different experience completely I think it's 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 amazing if the partners are on the same page mm. because there's that connection piece. Two things. One, you might do things separately and give room for both because, you know, it is the partner's choice whether they want to reduce their alcohol or not. It, it doesn't sound like in this situation that it's a major problem. Maybe it is. But it, I think it's a conversation that you can go in a bit curious. And I, I do love the sober curious kind of concept that rather than it being critical that you're like, you know, I've really found I have more energy. I feel much better. You know, would you like to get up this weekend with me and go together? That it's kind of an invitation rather than giving out or criticising because I mm. think that'll always push people back a bit. No preachy. No preaching. Yeah, no. yeah. And, and in your work, Ray, drink. Yeah. <laughs> I try not to drink at work, Ray, as much as possible. I, <laughs> I just had one outside, but that's something else completely. How often does it come up? It's huge. Yeah, right. Like, we're alcohol-soaked in Ireland. Mm. We are immersed in an alcohol culture which normalises level of drinking. So one thing I always say, Ireland, in my experience, the only country in the world where if you don't have a drink in the pub, someone will go, what's wrong? Mm. There's something wrong with not drinking. And therefore, there's a huge amount of judgments. Because f- people feel implicated if you do a dry January or if you say, I'm just not going to drink for... They, you, you, when I stopped drinking, I stopped drinking for a couple of years just to get away from alcohol. I lost a huge amount of my friend group. Right. Because it was, it was, a, it was just, they felt I was implying something about the group, the fact that I wasn't taking part in it as well. So there's a huge amount of immersion of alcohol. I think it's changing. I hopefully think, so, yeah. Ray. Hopefully uh, so. I, I just keep, people keep telling me that the younger generations have a different attitude to drink and that they're more health conscious. And as a result, they prefer sometimes to be in the gym, uh, whether it is in the evening when they would be in the pub or in the morning, as you said, when they would have been suffering with a hangover. So they're a little bit more aware of how uh, negative alcohol can be uh, to your health. So maybe, I I don't know. I think Uh, sometimes... But I'm more interested in relationships and how, you know, alcohol affects the mechanics of a relationship. So with this this couple here, like the thing is, she's going to feel implicated if he kind of goes, look, I stopped drinking. Why can't you? Mm. And so there's going to be some implication that there's something wrong with somebody. Whereas I think Alison's idea about being invitational, what would it be like if neither of us drank this weekend? Mm. Or if on Saturday night, rather than going down to the pub or doing, we did something else that is kind of, and like, I love that word and that phrase that you have around kind of being sober curious. Yeah. What's it like to not drink? Because it can make a huge impact on lots of gorgeous places in your relationship, Mm. if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what I, think as well? I think he's talking about sober sex. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. But you know what else? I think that we have to kind of really challenge this concept that, you know, it, it's actually about real connection. Because when you're actually not drinking, you really are connecting and it's much more intimate and, and, you know, real. But to actually bring in the part, the fun part that people don't actually see. The positives, yeah. Yeah, so I think I think Keith Watch, I saw that he was setting up something in January. People could go on hikes at the weekend and meet up with other people. So it isn't just doing mm. it on your own. Mm. So even as a couple, you could say, hey, there's this hike on this weekend. Do you want to actually do this? And people, you know, are having similar conversations, but it's in a connected, you know, very non-judgmental, but kind of, you know, this is actually a fun way to spend so, the weekend. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so ch- keep chatting about that. Keep chatting about that. Keep the lines of communication open. Uh, now, um, hello, Alison and Ray. Um, I've wanted to get in touch for your advice for a while now. I have a great partner. We're together six years and are planning our future lives together, hoping to start a family of our own. I'm close to my siblings and parents. Uh, we get on great and always celebrate the big occasions together. But my partner's family are almost a bit too much. They're always together, planning weekends away, walks, dinners out, nights out, nights in. And if we decline an invite... Uh, were made feel bad about it. Uh, I've mentioned it a few times to my partner and he gets that our families are slightly different but he sometimes just goes along with the plans to keep the peace. I'd rather we stood our ground and made it clear that we want our own space, especially at weekends, which is the only time we really get to hang out together. His siblings have children and I worry that when we do, uh, it'll get even worse. Any advice? I don't want to sound ungrateful or bitchy. Anon. Uh, this is very common, I think. Classic, yeah. <laughs> In-laws is outlaws. <laughs> yeah. And, and the way different families do it differently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you never just marry one person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they come with 50% extra free. Yeah. And sometimes that's gorgeous and sometimes that's awful. And for most of us, it's somewhere in between. And so I think the thing is to be really clear with your husband. Look, I- I'm not as buzzed about the Brady Brunch as you are. And so I'm not saying this is an absolute no, but can we get wiggle room? Because one of the things we have to track is when a habit becomes an expectation. Mm. Interesting. That's an interesting observation now. Yeah. yeah. Because if you if you don't arrive then, there's something wrong. Exactly. Yeah. How how do you lay down markers? How do you let them know? And and you have to live your own life, don't mm. you? And and you, you, he can't still be the person he was in his family. He has to become part of his own family. Yeah. I also think it's a brilliant conversation to have together, though, at this point before marriage, you know, in terms of like, OK, what's the social norms in your family? Uh-huh. And then what are the social norms? And and then and, and neither of you are arguing. You're actually really, again, curious. That's do you know anybody who's ever had that conversation? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I do, honestly. And I've encouraged many to have it. And, and right. it can work out. Like, and I actually think, like, genuinely, there's, there's... You, there's grace room in here where you can both move towards and and meet each other's needs because like sometimes we say no to things like just I just think connection is so important um, and you can move towards and go oh, I didn't want to do this this sounded and then when you actually go it's amazing and you, you know you are integrating into another family and then you know you can also say I'm really not in the mood for this I don't yeah. want to go over here every single Sunday and have family dinner and um, that's I don't want to be tied into that yeah. and and to set those markers down that like thanks Amelia we can come this week but we're actually we can't come the following week or we can't come two weeks after that and when people are like why 
just say, actually, we just, we've been a busy week and we just need the day to chill and relax. But it's really interesting. And going back to what Ray said, yeah. habit becoming expectation. Mm. Yes. Uh, and if you don't lay down the ground rules early on, then, then it's difficult to get back any sort of ground, isn't it? Because, because now you've established the tradition. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And how can you be untraditional? Yes. You know, yeah. it gets loaded. Yeah. It does, but I think you can... Because it's board games every Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. <laughs> and everybody comes, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making that up. I'm bored already, Ray. I'm bored already. <laughs> but I think you can you can set boundaries and you can reset them. And then you can, you know, like every stage of your life is going to be different. You have different things that are going to be going on. Yeah. So I think being fluid in the ability to actually say no when you want, but then mm. sometimes actually go and it might be good as well. Yeah, but but just for people who are at that stage of the relationship where they're they're planning on getting married, that it is a good chat to it's have. It's a super a really good chat. And it's not an obvious one. It, yeah. You know, it's not an obvious yeah. one to have. You have about money and houses and kids and do we get a dog? But you wouldn't have it about the cultures in each family. And the, be- the best no is to say, oh, oh, look, we can't come next Saturday. But it's on the following Saturday, isn't it? Ah, Give yes. them a yes, but you're pacing and spacing. Great. Uh, Ray O'Neill, Alison Keating, thank you so much. Stay thank there you. because we have Amble down in Studio 8. Hello, lads. Oshin, Robbie and Ross. Hi, Ray. Hello. Oh, yeah. um, so so um, just a measure of your success, and you've only been together a wet week, is that uh, all dates in Ireland are sold out. So um, if people are listening and they want to see you live, they won't be able to until when? Uh, we're going to announce one more date. So, yeah, they're all sold out, but we're, we're thinking of announcing one Kilkenny date. Um, right. And we we're going to, so it's going to be on the 16th of March. Okay, um, the day before St. Patrick's Day. Right. And, and you're still working away as teachers and, and in Pfizer and all that. And still at the whole world. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, and you're going to sing the current song, current single, whatever they call them now, uh, Mary's Pub. Mary's Pub. Yeah. Thanks, lads. Thanks, Great to see you. Put it right between my lips and I bit down with the light And I asked her had she anything, she handed me a light And with that light I took a drag and I watched the world go by You were mine and I was yours and our limit was the sky And we watched time go by well, I told her ask me anything she asked me how to cry and when I think of you I know forever I will be happy as the fool because together we are free well, we watch the buskers play a tune in lower Grafton Street and I tried to grab your finger, but I wasn't so discreet. You smiled, embraced my hand, and pulled me into some old bar. And we drank a drop, and we twirled and talked about our life so far. And we watched time go by. Well, I told her, ask me anything. She asked me how to cry When I think of you I know forever I will be Happy as a fool Because together we are free Well he swallowed 
down his last straw and begun to feel the heat. And he gestured to the barman that it was his time to leave. Cap upon his head, he thought of home in Skibbereen. Said he were the finest couple that his eyes had ever seen. And we watched time go by. Well, I told her, ask me anything. She asked me how to cry. And when I think of you, I know forever I will be happy as a fool because together we are free. And as she boards her plane back, to her home in Amsterdam She'd study for the year before returning to our land She said she loves a man and he is stationed far away And with him her precious love she says forever it will stay And we watched the time go by I told her, ask me anything She asked me how to cry And when I think of you I know forever I will be Happy as the fool Because together we are free That's lovely, that's Amble Amble, A-M-B-L-E And that's Oshin Robbie Ross And that's their new single, uh, Mary's Pub Thanks lads, talk to you soon uh, thanks again to Ray O'Neill and Alison Keating that's it from us Cormac and Sarah are on Drive Time we are back tomorrow at 3 o'clock enjoy the rest of your Wednesday evening The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1